So I was videoing the kids um, as they're like playing in the waves and stuff, and Jack runs up. This is awesome. <laughs> Like awesome, dude! He is so excited about life. I love it. It's nice. He's a glass half full. Eli's definitely the opposite. Eli's like, you know, it was fun, but this and this and this and this happened. <laughs> he's like the Debbie Downer. Yeah, he's totally Debbie Downer. <laughs> he's cute though. I feel fantastic, and I never felt as good as how I do right now. Except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day, when I felt the way that I do right now. So welcome to Mental Health Moment. Tonight, or today, I have a guest with me, Becca. Um, this week, I'm actually on vacation, and we are staying with our dear friends, um, Mike and Becca, and because we're staying with them, I get to podcast with Becca. I talked her into it. So um, I'm just going to give the mic over to her, and she can just kind of, you know, say a little bit about yourself, kind of whatever you want to say, and we'll go from there. Um, well, let's see. We live in San Diego. It's gorgeous. Their house is beautiful. We like it down here. It's sunny and warmish most of the time, which is lovely. Uh, we have three kids, uh, two boys and a girl, mm-hmm. eight, six, and two, and we spend a lot of time with them, trying to entertain them, find things for us to do. We love to go to the beach, of course, and go to the zoo and try to get the children to do things that are productive, like clean the house, but that's met <laughs> with minimal success sometimes. And I was going to say, if you had mastered that, like, what is your secret? <laughs> <laughs> we try. We're getting better. And, yeah, I spent a lot of time with them and coming up with fun new things to cook and trying to feel productive while I'm also keeping them from killing each other. And Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's busy days. Yeah. Every day. Busy days, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. I like them. I'll keep them. Good. Yeah. Sometimes I'm, it's still up in the air whether I'm going to keep mine or not. <laughs> like, depending on the day, it's like, oh, buddies. Yeah. I always, I always love them, but sometimes I just don't like them very much. Right? You know? There's those. It's like, oh, guys. Seriously. Yeah. Well, the reason I thought Becca would be a great person for this podcast is because she and I actually have had a few talks about sensory processing disorder. Um... And so, see, there's the um. And then I think, (laughs) I was just telling Becca before, this whole, like, I hear myself saying um, and in the back of my head, like, I hear my debate teacher, like, do not say that. And so, Miss Bruff, I'm sorry. Um, There we go again. Anyway, so sensory processing disorder. So we're going to talk a little bit about what it looks like in kiddos, what it looks like in adults. How do you know... If that may be something you're dealing with, what do you do with that? And just kind of go from there. Um, oh, see, I'm super vigilant about my ums now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, going on with that. <laughs> it's killing Good me. Good save. Good save. Right? Uh-huh. So for you, Becca, like what is, kind of tell me your journey a little bit with sensory processing disorder. Sure. Um, 
So Jack, our oldest, is our child with sensory processing disorder. And when he was about three, we decided to put him in a kind of um, a co-op preschool where we had it at different parents' houses. We kind of, we rotated. Yeah. It's a cool thing to do. Yeah. It was very, very chic, you know. We're all about chic. No. (laughs) And, um, and so... Uh, he's my oldest. It was my first experience with any sort of preschool. And so we went, we started the rotation where he'd go to different people's houses and he was okay at our house. Um, but after maybe a month or so, um, uh, the parents, the other parents started kind of, I started kind of hearing grumblings about, gosh, Jack is really tough when he's at our house. Gosh, I have to hold Jack the whole time when I'm teaching Mm. he's at my house. And, um, I think that combined with some other stuff I had, I had read a book about potty training, um, not too much before this, um, that talked about kids who were especially sensitive. And I thought, oh, that really, really applies to Jack. And so I'd kind of done some digging and I'd posted something on Facebook about how I felt like he was highly sensitive. And I have a friend who has a son with, um, all kinds of, of different issues. And, uh, she's a really great mom and she hooked onto that right away and said, well, he's highly sensitive. Do you mean he has sensory processing disorder? Huh. And I didn't know what that was. Yeah. And she started throwing some acronyms out like OT and stuff that I, I had no idea what that was. Like, what? And, what are these letters? What yeah. do they mean? And so, um, combining those things was just a general sense that he was not the same as the other kids his age. We would go to the park and he wouldn't play on the play equipment, um, at least not the way the other kids did. And he was just tough. And being your first child, you don't really know, you know. Um, yeah. But it's just tough. And so the combination of all that, um, and mainly because this friend of mine pointed out, hey, might have sensory processing disorder. You can kind of get a diagnosis. You can get help for this. This is a real thing. And so I, um, I took him to his primary care physician and. And she said, yeah, you know, it sounds like maybe it does. She referred me to an OT, an occupational therapist, to have it diagnosed. And uh, and it was pretty easily diagnosed that, yeah, I had sensory processing disorder. And so um, from there, uh, we were able to get into an early intervention preschool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made things way better. They were amazing with him. He had, he was in a class with about like seven kids and four teachers. Oh, fantastic. And it just, it, it changed things for him. Um, and so what are some other things that maybe you noticed with Jack, um, just to kind of like, okay, that are kind of typical with sensory processing. Yeah. So you mentioned that he didn't really want to interact with the other kiddos at preschool. Like he just wanted to be held. Right. Right. Um, maybe played on the play equipment differently. Or didn't yeah. Really he was, it. he was really uh, fearful of the play equipment. I remember the first time he went down a slide by himself when he was four and I totally cried because <laughs> that was so sweet. Um, but things like, I don't know, you know, he would, got really bothered by his socks where mm. the lines and the socks putting the shoes on taking shoes off was just 
traumatic every single time. Um, really hard time with transitions, leaving places. You know, I'd have to give him. Well, I eventually learned to give him, you know, a five minute warning, then two minutes warnings. Hey, we're going to go in this amount of time. And that made a big difference. Um, mm-hmm. But just noticing that when he was with other children his age, because again, he was my first child, so I didn't really know any different. Yeah. But again, being with other kids his own age and realizing that these other kids didn't have these problems. And I tried for a long time not to compare, you know, my child is just, he's his own person. And so it's okay that he's different, which is obviously is fine. But, but after a while it became apparent that something was not quite right. And then Mm -hmm. these kind of pieces fell into place with reading the potty training book that gave me this idea. And then the friend who, um, who suggested sensory processing disorder, which I hadn't heard of before. And it all kind of fell into place. And that's how we figured it out. And so then through your research, you know what I love about Becca is she she researches and she knows her stuff, which is so fantastic. So through your research, it, you know, this kind of led you on to kind of answering some own stuff about you. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I was reading about these things, you know, you know, you, you your child's doing something you don't understand and you want to figure it out. One, because it's driving you nuts. Mm-hmm. So for practical purpose, you have to understand it so you don't just try to, you know freak out freak out and you know too because you just intellectually want to you really want to know um so as i was reading these books about him i started to realize that this also described me to a great extent you know and things that i would do in my own childhood you know like food like um food aversions you know i i really didn't like fruits and vegetables growing up. I, I would not eat rice mixed with gravy, um, stuff like this, which Jack also had really strong food issues that he, things he would not eat and that he, you know, he would cry. I remember him sitting at the table crying because I was so desperate to get him to eat something. He just wouldn't do it anyway. So, um, so that, and that's another component um, so anyways, I was, as I was reading these books and trying to learn about him, I realized that it was really about me as well. Huh. And, um, and that was really huge uh-huh. because I've always felt kind of uncomfortable in large crowds and had a hard time finding clothes that feel good. Uh-huh. And again, the food thing and, um, bright lights kind of annoying and, and all I feel like with sensory processing disorder it's a lot of little stuff that you know lots of kids have food issues or they have this or that but yeah. it's when you have so many of those things put together that then you realize that hey something's going on for Jack that's that's what it was and for me as well realizing that all these different components fit together and then mm-hmm. and that, that was a, not only a, a story of him but a story of me yeah. And so just from a clinical standpoint, you know, I, I'll have kiddo come in, uh, you know, with a lot of anxiety or a lot of just kind of like just be on edge and irritable. And a lot of the time we're not really dealing with, I mean, there is a mental health component, you know, because I think, you know, when your senses are so overwhelmed and you have this processing disorder, obviously I think anxiety and even some depression kind of play into that. Yeah, definitely. But... That's not the main issue. The main issue is the sensory processing. And so, you know, when, like, for me in the clinical sense, when I see these kiddos or even adults sometimes, like, they're just, like, they're just overwhelmed. And so then, you know, if I can kind of pick up on some of these things, like, oh, I'll ask them, like, what kind of clothes they like to wear. And, and, um, for example, like, one kiddo, they would wear the same jacket all the time because they only like the feel of the jacket. 
like on their arms. And so then they would like even through the hot summer and oh um, wow. And the mom was like it's driving me nuts. I'm like, okay, you need to start with occupational therapy because that's not, you know, something I can really help you with. I can help manage anxieties, but I can't really help right. do the like, okay, what else can you do to kind of self-soothe? Yeah. So, so that's really helpful. Um, I think more clinicians need to know about sensory processing disorder so that they can give people more resources about it. Because I think, because there is that overlapping with the anxiety and the depression and the sensory processing, I mean, it's all kind of just this jumbled thing, you know, that I, that I think it would be helpful if people were more aware of, of what that looked like. Right. And I think also as, as people get older, as kids grow up then it becomes harder to get to the bottom of it almost because, Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's felt like anxiety for so long that you don't realize that if it's actually, you know, a physical problem, it's not so much a mental problem. There's obviously mental components, but if you can just solve some of that physical stuff and feel more physically comfortable, then so much of the other stuff goes away or at least calms down. Yeah. So with sensory processing disorder, there's two types, like sensory... Defensive? Yes. I'm like, the word just left (laughs) my brain. So sensory defensive and then sensory seeking. Right. Um, And so what does sensory defensive... That's Jack, right? Right, yeah. Jack's definitely sensory defensive. And then my Maddie, she's also sensory defensive. So Maddie, like, gets overwhelmed if there's too much noise. Um, At movies, she'll plug her ears, so we need to wear noise-canceling headphones just to calm that down a little bit. Um, Lots of food aversions. Right. Uh, What other sensory defensiveness Um, for Jack? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, uh, you know... Too many people, too much noise, bright lights, loud music, that mm-hmm. type of thing. He struggled with uh, assemblies at school when he first mm-hmm. started elementary school, so he'd wear noise-canceling headphones. Um, uh, too much, I don't know, too much physical contact or too many people in close proximity uh-huh. is uncomfortable. Um, yeah, just those kinds of things where you feel overwhelmed or a normal person would feel overwhelmed after, you know, you know, six hours of this or something, uh-huh. but someone with sensory processing disorder, it's going to hit a lot sooner and be just too much. Yeah. And so, um, what for you guys have you found helps? Um, well for Jack, um, when we first got his diagnosis, um, we started out with occupational therapy and uh, a lot of that focused on food um, because I was really concerned that he was just not eating super well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they would do things like have him dip graham crackers in pudding and then eat them. And that was really tough for this three-year-old who yeah. did not want to mix anything. Nothing can touch. Yes. Uh-huh. But because, because it was the occupational therapist asking him to do it instead of me, and she was not emotionally invested in it like I was, it worked a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a super big help for us. Um, what else? Uh, we used to do, we don't do anymore because he doesn't seem to need them now, but we used to do what we call special massages, which sounds kind of funky, but promise it's not, um, (laughs) where joint compressions Uh and deep pressure. Um, and we do them every morning. 
um, before we left the house. And I could tell if we hadn't done it because he'd be kind of crazy. But what that does is it kind of tells your body where it is. Um, you know, it's like when you're feeling down, if somebody gives you a really big tight hug, um, as long as it's someone that you want hugging you, then that feels pretty good. And, mm-hmm. um, it's the same kind of type of idea. So we would do, we do the massages, we did the OT, um, we've talked about it, just talking about it and uh-huh. recognizing that it's an issue and trying to figure out kind of where his trigger points are, you know, in school, like I said, we use the noise canceling headphones, uh-huh. um, uh, he's had some great teachers that have had some really great strategies to help him to stay calm. He In his kindergarten class, they had, instead of chairs, they had uh, big yoga balls that they sat on. Perfect. And so he could bounce on that. Um, get that sensory input. Yeah, get sensory input. Um, yeah, just making sure he gets the sensory input, but not too much. Because if he gets too much sensory input, then it kind of drives him over the edge on the other mm-hmm. side. So you have to... And you then have there's to really, that tantrum in that right. Also. So you have to really, really balance it. Um, Honestly, another thing that helped for us, and I know this isn't for everybody, but for us, was uh, we put him on a, and myself also, on a gluten-free and dairy-free diet. And that, um, within a couple months of that, he started eating much, much better. And that actually was super helpful for us, at least. Um, I've also, you know, weighted blankets. Yes. So just kind of like heavier kind of bedding and stuff just to kind of help give that sensory input, like just to calm, calm you down. Right. Right. Yeah. We, I actually, I made a weighted blanket, um, which was kind of crazy, but I'm glad I did it. (laughs) And, uh, and so we used to have him sit under that, you know, a lot of, a lot of it is just watching the child and trying to figure out where they're at. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like taking, taking a sensory temperature and trying to figure out, you know, okay, what does he need right now? Does he need more stimulation? Does he need less stimulation? Mm -hmm. What kind of stimulation does he need? And that sounds kind of difficult, but, um, but there are books that can kind of guide you through it. I've got a couple of books here that were really useful. Um, one is The Sensory Sensitive Child by Karen A. Smith and Karen R. Goose. And um, I remember that one being particularly helpful. And then also The Out of Sync Child Has Fun is a really practical guide for different activities you can do with them. Um, I I got a box and I got some supplies and I just made some little like files of, okay, here's ideas for getting him this type of sensory input or this type. And I had all the stuff there in the box and the ideas. Uh And then throughout the day, I'd try to figure out what he needed. And then we do a little activity. Like it might, we might be pushing something really hard or, um, sometimes we do what we call wall Mm pushups where we do pushups against the wall and that gives him that sensory input. Uh, one thing that we still do, because a lot of it, he's actually kind of outgrown because honestly, he just doesn't need it that much anymore which is fantastic but one thing that we still do is we call squishing at the bumble squishing the bumblebee and i don't know if i came up with that name if i read it somewhere probably read it somewhere but uh we we he push your hands together you know like that old song i'm bringing home a baby uh-huh. bumblebee and then you squish it uh-huh. and um and so that provides some real calming sensory input to squeeze the push the bumblebee squeeze it um so that's fantastic. Yeah. Lots of stuff. The kiddos are on the other end, the sensory seeking. Um, Sam, my other kiddo, he has sensory stuff too, but I, we don't have an official diagnosis. His pediatrician was like, uh, mm. 
I don't know. I'm like, dude, like he can't wear shirts with tags. He can't right. wear socks. Right. Like, it's all that little line. stuff that combined together. People like, will laugh off a little here and there, but combined mm-hmm. together, you're like, there's something up. Like something's up. Yeah. So, but with, um, Sam, he's, he kind of is on that sensory seeking end. So he's constantly having to move and like get sensory input from his environment. Right. Um, so out of the stuff you've read, what does sensory seeking look like? Um, so sensory seeking is where you, your body, like, okay, so sensory defensive, your body registers sensory inputs, you know, noise and touch and all that stuff as, as stronger than it truly is, you mm-hmm. know? So someone touches you and you feel like you're being attacked or it feels much harder than it is. Um, but sensory seeking, on the other hand, is the opposite where you feel like it's not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, you need... You, you need harder touch and you need louder noise and, and more things going on to really feel calm. Uh-huh. You know, so it's with the sensory kit, it's whatever makes you feel calm for sensory seeking. You need uh, more noise, more movements. Sometimes uh, sensory seeking kids need spicy food. You uh-huh. crave that kind of intensity and that helps them feel calm, which seems kind of. I don't know, kind of weird you might think or ironic that all this craziness going on makes them feel calm, but it really calms down their bodies. But it's that their body is getting that sensory. Yeah, yeah, it so, has to balance it out. So like with Sam, like, you know, jumping on a trampoline, like, for long periods of time, I mean, that that provides him a lot of, like, calm. Um, playing these war games that he makes up in his head, I mean, that he's just constantly moving and yelling so much yelling. Oh my gosh. Dude, like just lower the volume. So, you know, I mean, there's all that different stuff. So, um, but I think it's definitely an overlooked issue, Mm -hmm. you know, and it definitely, it definitely is a thing. And, and I know there is so interesting. I, I heard this one kiddo explain, so he has sensory defensiveness and I heard him explain like, he, his parents were like, oh my gosh, he had the worst meltdown at this party. And this party was in this, like, kind of like a playland area, so uh-huh. super loud, right. just lots of noise, everything going on, lots of people, and this kiddo had this absolute massive meltdown. Yeah, not a surprise there. Right? And so I was talking to this kiddo later, and I was like, dude, like, what happened? And they explained it, and he said, I felt like my face was melting off with sound. And oh my I gosh. I thought that was so descriptive yeah. though, because yeah. I was like, for somebody like me who I don't have sensory processing, I mean, I have some definite characteristics as Becca can attest to, but you know, it's that, it's such a good description because I think people are just like, oh, they just need to get over it. Or right. Like, oh, it's fine. But like for somebody with sensory processing to honestly feel like their face was melting off right. because of the sound was so much. I just thought that was like such a powerful, like, oh, I get it. Yeah. For me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that, that sometimes you know, definitely laugh it off or say, oh, well, they just need to grow up or it's not that big of a deal or, you know, let's just turn the music down a little bit. But, um, I mean, for me at least, sometimes it feels like a physical attack. Uh-huh. You know, like, um, like, like you if ha- it's, and you have that physical response, right? To it. Right. Like literally like if it gets to the end of the week and I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed and the kids have been kind of crazy, then I start to feel like I literally want to retreat into a corner and if they come and touch me, I mean, sometimes I will scream. I'll say, you know, get away because it feels like they're attacking me mm-hmm. and it's a real physical 
reaction, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, it's mental too, but it's, it's so much like, I don't, you know, I don't, you, I just can't be around me now or I feel like I'm gonna, I don't know, yeah. I'm gonna explode and not just in like a mad mom way, but no, but like the like sensory a, overload. Yeah. Way, it's just, it's, it's just, just too like, much. It's too much. Yeah. It's really a thing. So for those out there who are feeling like, Hey, maybe this is a thing we definitely recommend talking to your pediatrician. Um, and if you can always read those books too, the sensory sensitive child and the out of sync child has fun. Um, both of those are awesome resources for that. And then I'm also reading one of, uh, a book that Becca recommended, now I can't remember the title. It's called um, Too Loud, Too Bright, Too Fast, Too Tight. And that is by Dr. Heller. And she talks about her experience as an adult with SPD. So that's also helpful. Um, and as I'm reading through like just her first few pages, I was like, oh, yep. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I can see that there, I have a lot of characteristics. Um, anyway, so definitely talk to your pediatrician. You, you know, you can definitely talk to... Um, like a behavioral health person, but I think your best bet would be trying to tease that out with occupational therapy first because occupational therapy, they can diagnose with sensory processing or they can be like, eh, not really. Here's some other options. So there's definitely resources out there. Um, Sometimes it's tricky, I think, with insurance because you have to convince, like, hey, no, like, this is really Right, right. And that, that's what I was concerned about with, with us was um, I didn't know how to get the diagnosis so then we could get the help. And at least for us, it was via the pediatrician. We had to go to the pediatrician. The pediatrician recommends you to the OT and then the OT diagnose. So. Yeah, so you'll just have to kind of check out whatever your health plan will allow or go for. Uh, lots of community Facebook pages, I think, on sensory processing. Uh, lots of information out there. So um, I'd like to thank Becca. Yeah. Thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. Happy and to um, and also just make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. You can check out my website, emilyknewbold.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Mental Health Moment. Follow us on Instagram, Mental Health Moment. And we'd like to thank Jonathan Colton for the music. Thanks. See you next time. Bye. I feel fantastic. And I never felt as good as how I do right now. Except for maybe when I think about how I felt that day. When I felt the way that I do right now. Right now. I feel fantastic. And I never felt as good as how I do right now. Except for maybe when I think about how I felt that day. When I felt the way that I do right now. Right now. Right now.